Columbia, roll on. Roll on, Columbia, roll on. Your power is turning our darkness to dawn. So roll on, Columbia, roll on. Hello and welcome to Capital Ideas. Each week we'll sit down with members of the Majority Democratic Caucus in the Washington State House of Representatives to give listeners an inside look at important aspects of how their citizen legislature works and who and what it's working for. Our guest this week is Representative Larry Springer. Larry represents Washington's 45th Legislative District, the horizontal slice of northeast King County that includes Woodenville, Carnation, and Duval, and parts of Redmond, Sammamish, Kirkland, and the upper Snoqualmie Valley. Larry has been a small business owner in Kirkland for a quarter century and was mayor of the city for four years before his election to the House in 2005. Since then, he served as majority floor leader and majority caucus liaison, and he serves on several House committees, including the House Transportation Panel, which is most relevant to today's conversation. One of the most pressing, most expensive, and most controversial projects in Washington State today is the proposed replacement of the State Route 520 floating bridge that spans Lake Washington. It's a bridge that's used by more than 150,000 people every day, connecting the city of Seattle with Kirkland, Bellevue, Redmond, and other cities on the east side of the lake. Replacing the bridge will be a massive project, and as a lawmaker whose district includes the eastern terminus of the bridge, Representative Springer is a key member of the legislature's 520 work group. That's what we're going to talk about today. Welcome, Larry, and thank you for joining Capital Ideas. I really appreciate you taking the time out here to talk about this project. Thanks, Dan. Glad to be here. So, what is this project? Well, the 520 bridge is nearing 50 years old. And ironically, the 520 bridge in that 50-year period has been uh, an integral part of my life for a number of reasons. I've shared this story with a few legislators, and they sort of look a little askance, but I'll start with it at any rate. The bridge was completed in about 1963, and in 1964, I was a junior in Bellevue High School, and Some of us on a Thursday or a Friday evening used to drive out onto the bridge deck after hours, probably 10, 11 o'clock at night, and U-turn in the middle of the 520 bridge because there was no traffic on it. Uh, And we'd drag race back to the east side. That was my high school experience with the 520 bridge. So many years later, graduate from college, come back to Kirkland, get elected to the Kirkland City Council, and I'm appointed to the first 520 study group that was to convene for 18 months to discuss the future of the 520 bridge because we knew then it needed to be replaced. That was 1997. That was a committee of 47 people who could only make a decision by consensus, which, as you can imagine, means that we didn't make any decisions. Uh, Then fast forward to 2009, and I'm on the floor of the House of Representatives and finally am able to cast a vote that results in the funding and the beginning of the construction of the 520 Bridge. We're still not there yet. I'm now a part of yet another work group to study options for the western side of the bridge. So, uh, as they say, uh, it ain't over till it's over, but uh, we're at least making progress. And uh, I'm hoping someday I'll be able to sit back and not have to deal with the 520 Bridge. Tell me about this 520 work group. I, I know that there's a lot of legislators on it. Are there other people? Are there citizens from around this area? And how do you work together? Well, there's two parts to it. The legislation that we passed in 2009, in addition to funding the actual replacement of the floating section of the bridge, believe it or not, that's sort of the easy part, it does not include funding for the highway improvements and, and roadway improvements that will be needed at either end of the bridge. 
So we're still in the process of determining what the configuration will be for the roadway where it hits the western side of the lake. The eastern side, my side of the lake, uh, we've pretty much determined what we need over here. We know what it costs. There's no more discussion that's really needed in order to, to design the eastern side. The western side, uh, another story. It is a difficult area to plan for. The eastern side, by comparison, is all dry land. Not too difficult to plan how to, how to build the highway there. But on the western side, you have an island. You have a piece of ground that is uh, considered sacred ground uh, to the Indian tribes. You, you are building over a very sensitive park, the Arboretum. You are building over very sensitive waterways. So the, the design of the west side is much more complicated. As you might imagine, in a complicated situation like that, there are lots of ideas. And it has come down to, right now, three options, referred to as option A, option L, and option K, in no particular order. The work group that was set up by the legislature is a work group of legislators only, representatives from the 45th, the 48th, 43rd, and the 46th districts, basically those districts that the 520 bridge or the 520 corridor touches. In addition to that, we have Mary Margaret Haugen, the chair of the uh, Senate Transportation Committee, and Judy Cliburn, the chair of the House Transportation Committee, also on that committee. So that is a, it's a work group, I should say, um, and that's a group that will make a recommendation to the legislature in January as to what the west side uh, design should look like. As a subpart of that, there is the West Side Work Group, which is a group of citizens, a group in favor of A, a group in favor of L, and a group in favor of K. And I have to tell you, it is deja vu. We are once again in a scenario where people that are very passionate uh, about their approach are holding out, trying to get their approach adopted. So we're in the process of trying to work out a compromise. It's due at the, uh, by December and to the legislature by January. I am very cautiously optimistic that we might get there, but it's, uh, it's far from a done deal at this point. At least at the Western end, this involves some, as you said, some real hot button issues. You've got private property rights to consider. You've got environmental concerns. You've got Native American concerns. Once that group, if it does, reaches a consensus on AL or K, do they make a recommendation to the 520 work group? Do they just suggest it? In other words, what is going to be binding and when? The legislative work group, those members of the legislative districts that I mentioned earlier, they are tasked with providing a recommendation to the legislature in the 2010 session. Of course, nothing is ever binding because at the point at which you make a recommendation, the legislature can uh, change it, amend it, reject it, accept it. I mean, there's any number of things the legislature can do. But the task or the work group is uh, tasked by the legislation to make that recommendation. How the work group synthesizes the all of the input that they will get with regard to A, K, and L is yet to be seen. We have a timeline. Um, it's, it's an aggressive one. Uh, we'll be meeting several times between now and the end of November. But my assumption is the legislative work group will at some point simply have to make a decision. That decision might be we are recommending option A with the following modifications from option K, or we're primarily going with option K with these changes. 
I think what's going to come out of this is, of course, our favorite word, a hybrid option that probably takes a little bit of each of those and blends them together in a way that we think is workable. The one thing that really is binding, the legislation that created this task force said in very specific terms that the budget for the entire bridge, including all of the projects on the west and east side, cannot total more than $4.65 billion. So no matter what the proposals are in A, K, or L, they have to fit within that overall budget. So we will be constrained by that, at least. Where all is that coming from? I know that there must be some state money, obviously. There must right. be some federal money. The county involved, the cities that touch uh, this, and then there's that word tolls. Because this is a state highway, the cities and counties will not be expected to, to shell out any, any real money for the project. Right now, the project is 4.6, roughly $4.6 billion. We have identified funding sources for about half of that which is why what we are committed to in the short run is immediately paying for the replacement of the floating section of the bridge because that's the section that is that is the most dangerous it's the one that is most at risk of failure uh, it's old it has been buffeted by winds and earthquakes over the last 50 years and it simply needs to be replaced a major windstorm or god forbid an earthquake uh, that bridge could very easily come down so what we have found funding for is simply the the area that would build the bridge from the eastern terminus to the western terminus and replace that floating section that money is going to come from about 550 million dollars in state gas tax money uh, about $250 million from the federal government, and then about $1.2 billion over a uh, several-year period that will be derived from tolls. Tolling is the controversial element of that funding scenario. Uh, we will begin tolling early. That means before the bridge is actually completed. Has people a little concerned about that, but in fact, we are starting construction of the pontoon, so that tolling will pay for that early construction. Those funding sources cobbled together will actually uh, be enough money to replace the floating section of the bridge. So tolling ahead of time, I know it's been very controversial, but essentially uh, you could compare that to saving for something that you need to buy. Absolutely. Which people advocate all the time. Sure. If, in fact, we waited until the bridge was built and then tolled it, uh, people would end up paying a whole lot more for that bridge uh, because they'd be paying for it in dollars, you know, in 2014, 2016 dollars instead of 2009 and 2010 dollars. Cheaper to toll early than toll late. So while some people you know, are, are certainly concerned about tolling for a structure they haven't been able to use yet, in the long run it will cost less money. What remains to be seen right now with regard to tolling is what the tolling rates will be. They'll be variable costs you less to cross the bridge at 2 a.m. in the morning than it will at 7 a.m. in the morning on a Wednesday. So there'll be variable pricing depending on congestion, but we are pretty certain that we'll be able to raise the money necessary to, to yeah, basically float construction bonds and then pay for the floating part of the bridge. Let me jump back to the taxes for a minute that mm -hmm. are going to be involved in this. I, I just want to make this get this established that these are existing taxes. Yes. You haven't they, raised taxes to pay for the tax-financed portion of this bridge. That is correct. The $550 million from the state, those are dollars that are already being collected by the 9.5-cent gas tax that was passed by the legislature in 2005. So we haven't raised anything to, raise, to, to create that money that's already there. And then that was approved by the voting public right, as well. Right, it was, yeah. 
this is a pretty good-sized group. I, I think you may have said how many people are on it, but I know that it's up above 10 members, 10 legislators. Right. They're from different areas around here, different parties, different concerns, both sides of the lake. How is this group meshing? How is the work going along? And I don't mean specifically what does this member say versus right. that member, but as a group, what are the dynamics here that, uh, that are going to lead us to a decision? The dynamic at work right now is I think it's fair to say that there is the group of east side legislators and the group of west side legislators. Uh, and right now, those groups are simply trying to, to evaluate what option A, K, and L mean, how much money it will cost, how effective those options will be at moving people in the way in which we want them moved across that corridor. So right now, we're still in sort of a listening phase as we listen to all of the people who promote each of those options. And those of us on the east side, I think, have a collective point of view that essentially says, you know, the west side should be able to design that portion of the bridge that suits their needs the best. We're, we're fine with that. There's only two criteria that we have. It has to move people through the corridor effectively, and it has to, be, uh, and it has to come in under $4.65 billion. Beyond that, they basically can do what they want on the west side. If it works uh, and it moves people and it comes under budget, we're fine with it. If the state wants to go ahead and get busy with the floating section... Can the floating section of the bridge be replaced and be connected to the eastern and western ends of the bridge now, or does everything have to be done as a piece? No, it does not have to be done as a piece. The funding that we have set aside to replace the floating section includes funding to redo what we call the the landings on either end of the bridge. So you will have a new floating bridge, uh, new landings that will then connect to the existing road system that's there. The new structure will be built to a size and a configuration that will accommodate an expanded roadway section on both ends at some point in the future. First of all, when there's money there, and secondly, when the west side ends up with an actual recommendation for a finished option. But the important part is to replace that floating section so that we don't have any danger of that coming down in a windstorm or an earthquake. It's now 2009, late 2009, Is there a date that people are working with in their minds right now that somebody will cut a ribbon on this thing and cars will roll? The date that we have seen right now for the replacement of the floating section is sometime near 2016. We are beginning construction of the pontoons in Grays Harbor County uh, in late 2010. They should be, we should start that construction, take a few years to build those. Then they will be floated up through the, the ship canal into the lake And at that point, they'll begin replacing the the bridge deck. That bridge deck should be open to traffic no later than 2016, and we're hoping maybe a little sooner than that. With regard to the rest of it, that timeline there really is a funding question. That is going to be a major topic of conversation, I think, in this upcoming legislative session and the one subsequent to that in 2011. You know, I I think we're going to get there, but there's going to be some compromises that will have to take place. So it looks like about the middle of the next decade... You can start to think about something else. You know, when I go to bed at night, I often wonder what is the major area of emphasis I'm going to have in the legislature over the next few years, and I would like very much for that not to include the 520 bridge. Good luck. Thank you. 
Thank you, Larry. I really appreciate it. That's Representative Larry Springer of Washington's 45th District. That's today's program. Subscribe to this podcast now and spend a few minutes a week with Capital Ideas. After all, this is your state government, and the more you know about how it works, the better it can work for you. I'm Dan Frizzell for the Washington State House Democrats. Thank you for listening.